Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Welcome into the QB's Go Show. This is episode 51, brought to you by the Fine Folk at SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. I am your host, Michael Kist. Follow me on Twitter at Michael Kist NFL. That's K-I-S-T. Make sure you're following at BGN underscore radio as well to get updated when all these shows drop. But look, here with me today, as he is for every QB's Go Show, quarterback one in my heart, he is Mark Schofield. Mark, how you doing, brother? I'm doing well, Michael. I'm doing well. It's great to be back with you. And look, this is... Dare we say the fun time of the year for us? Yes. Because the day-to-day, the frantic sprint that is the NFL regular season and postseason, it's over. It's done. And as we get into February, yeah, there is things like the Senior Bowl and the Combine in a couple of weeks and obviously the draft. But this part of the calendar gives us, those of us with interests outside of the game, such as you and I, uh, a chance to catch up on some other stuff. For example, we can catch up on video game. And I know both you and I have been replaying Assassin's Creed Odyssey because we're getting ready for a crossover podcast event for the ages. More on that a little bit later. We're getting, you know, we're catching up on TV stuff or seeing TV stuff for the first time. I just, after the Super Bowl, finished episode one, the season finale of the first season. Of Peaky Blinders. Yes. Fantastic show. Tremendous. Just an absolutely tremendous show. I'm excited about that. And of course, it gives us a chance to get caught up on reading, something you and I both like to do. And I've mentioned American Moonshot about the space race. I've finished that book. It's a book I've referenced here. And I'm now back into The Longest Winter, The Battle of the Bulge, and the epic story of World War II's most decorated platoon. And it's funny, this book, because... I had a listener on my show, the Sco Show, ask me to tell the story about that the nuts letter, right? You yeah. remember that story, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. You know, and that was obviously the Germans demanded an American surrender. The American commander sends back the telegram, one word, nuts. Yeah. And that was in the buildup to the Battle of the Bulge. But I did want to quickly read from this book, again, The Longest Winter. And this, as I was reading it last night, really stunned me, okay? And that's probably a poor pun, but we'll get to that in a second. (laughs) Now, this is on December 16th, 1944, as the Battle of the Bulge is getting underway. And this book, again, is the story of the 394th Infantry Regiment, 99th Infantry Division, the roster of the Intelligence and Reconnaissance Platoon. In their story, they were all captured, but they all survived. But when the fight was underway, and I'm reading now, nearby, Private Luis Quirillo suddenly noticed that some of the Germans were fanning out and trying to infiltrate through the position's flanks. A few feet from Khalil, Sergeant George Redmond was squinting through the sights of his M1. To the left of the dugout, a German paratrooper crawled through the rock-hard ground. He got to within 30 yards of Khalil and Redmond and then quickly aimed his rifle, loaded with a grenade, and fired. It was a superb shot. The grenade entered the dugout through its 18-inch slit and hit Khalil square in the jaw, but it did not explode. 
Instead, it knocked Khalil across the dugout to Redmond's side. Khalil was half stunned as he lay sprawled on the base of the dugout. Redmond dropped his rifle, grabbed some snow, and rubbed it in Khalil's face. Blood gushed from Khalil's jaw. The force of the impact had forced his lower teeth into the roof of his mouth, where several were now deeply embedded. His jaw was fractured in three places. Redmond sprinkled sulfur powder on the wound and then pulled gauze out of both of their first aid kits and started to wrap Khalil's face. There was no morphine in the kits to kill the pain. Once the shock wore off, Khalil would be in agony. How bad is it? asked Khalil. Oh, it's not too bad, Lewis, said Redmond. But I've got blood all over myself. It can't be very nice. It's not too bad. Okay, I'll take your word for it. Khalil knew Redmond was trying to make the wound sound a lot less severe than it really was. He could feel the teeth embedded in the roof of his mouth cutting into his tongue. Ugh. The battle still raged. Small arms fire sounded like radio static during an electrical storm, a constant ear-piercing crackle. Redmond's fingers did not shake despite his fear as he wrapped the last of the gauze around Khalil's jaw. He knew the Germans could penetrate their position any moment. If they were to stand a chance, they would need to return to firing as soon as possible. Redmond tied the last gauze bandage and met Khalil's gaze. Don't worry about it, reassured Redmond. If things get to where you can take off, then take off, Khalil replied. Redmond looked at Khalil firstly. We're staying here, together. All right. Redmond grabbed his head one and began to fire. Khalil was now in terrible pain, but did the same, aiming with just the use of one eye at the figures that still approached up the bloodied hillside. It was so cold in the dugout that Khalil could feel blood freezing to his face, stemming the flow from the wound. The damned cold had been good for one thing at least. In the desert, he surely would have bled to death. Now, Mike, that is ridiculous poise under pressure and in the midst of what can only be unimaginable excruciating pain did a quarterback on sunday night show the exact opposite in the face of pressure oh my god i'm just throwing that out there and that's that's kind of what we're going to talk about but before we get to i'm going to throw out a quick book suggestion because we're going to do it i i figure this is a nice little addition because i don't always have a history reference good to go like you do for every show you're obviously more professional and more prepared than i am on a this is a professional basis. podcast <laughs> <laughs> but I, I am reading through uh, SPQR by Mary Beard, A History oh, yes. of, uh, of of the Romans, which is fantastic. I can't believe it's taken me this long to get to it, even though it was I think it was only like five years old or something like that. But fantastic, fantastic book. But let's get to some football action. The Super Bowl Chiefs win 31 to 10. Me and Benjamin Solak do a breakdown of the, of the Super Bowl and our thoughts on it on the Kiss and Solak show 171 that dropped yesterday. So make sure that you listen to that. If you have not yet, I mean, but Patrick Mahomes, a bit of an up and down game. Like there were, there was a point in that game where he was pressing a little bit because the deep shots weren't there and he ended up making some, some bad throws and bad decisions, but he ends up getting right in the end. Like they were never down 10 points. Like they weren't, you know, at a 96.1% win probability for the uh, 49ers and ends up his day going 26 for 42, 286 yards, two touchdowns and those two interceptions. But look, man, Mahomes in the face of a blistering pass rush. He was under yep. under pressure over forty percent of the time. They had him under duress. Like I said, they made they got him to a point where he started pressing. But in the end, at one point, it's twenty to ten. You blink, it's thirty one to twenty, and that's what we had seen from Mahomes throughout the entire postseason. It's extremely impressive. Yeah, it's it's extremely impressive. It, and that was sort of the thought that many had, myself included, going into this game was that. San Francisco certainly had a path to win this game, but they had to play a perfect 60-minute game to do it. Kansas City, on the other hand, had multiple pathways to win, and they could get down and still score in bunches to come from behind and win. And that's kind of how this game played out. And yeah, Mahomes was certainly up and down. He was bad for the first three quarters. I don't want to go as far as Eric Mangini did and say that he was outplayed by Jimmy Garoppolo during the first three quarters. But 
in the end, when it mattered, one quarterback sort of stepped up his game and one quarterback couldn't. And the numbers from Mahomes under pressure, I think, sort of illustrate the difference in this game. Both quarterbacks were picked when they were pressured. Mahomes was picked once. Garoppolo was picked twice. Right. You know, but Mahomes completes six of, you know, 14 um, for 113 yards, adjusted completion percentage of 60%. But then there's Garoppolo. <laughs> Which is crazy. I, I said these stats, the yeah. splits between kind of clean and pressure stats for Garoppolo is crazy. Yeah. When he was pressured on Sunday night, he had 11 attempts where he was pressured, one sack, nine pass attempts, just one completion, one throw away. Two interceptions, an adjusted yards. completion, yeah, an adjusted completion percentage of twenty percent. That's great. Like he was abysmal when he was pressured, absolutely abysmal. And just the fact that Mahomes was a little bit better mm. might have been a big part of the difference. And if you think about, you know, I was on the radio in Vancouver on Monday night doing my usual weekly spot, and they asked me every week throughout the regular season and into the postseason, what was the best throw I saw the week prior. The best throw I probably saw in this game didn't count. It was the throw to Kittle before halftime. Yeah, and I thought but that was the, a bad call. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, that was a bit ticky-tacky in yeah. that moment, man. And you could imagine how this game looks right. if that call isn't made. Mm-hmm. Like, this is a completely different game. But the biggest throw of that game was probably the one to Tyree Kill. Yep. The wasp hook concept where the third and long, they hit that sort of corner route. They get a great play call. Mahomes is under pressure when he makes that throw. Yeah. And he delivers in that moment. It was like a nine-step drop. <laughs> yeah. I mean, look, they, Mahomes throws mechanics and technique and stuff out the window. Right. And if if you haven't learned to love that about Patrick Mahomes by now, I don't know what you're waiting for. Because it's if you think back to his draft process, it was one of the most enjoyable prospects about aspects of watching him. Yeah. Because he just didn't care. Yeah. He just and was it was Brad Kaya in that draft class? I think he I was. Think he was. And he was like the most technically sound. Yes. Like, this is how you coach it. This yeah. is how you that do it. That kid was teaching tape. Yeah. <laughs> but no. Nah. And I was high on Kaya, but not as high as it was. But it's happened? like you said, mechanics don't matter until they do. For yeah. Mahomes, they don't matter. And I guess for Brad Kaya, they didn't matter, even though yeah. they were so close. Wasn't enough to save him. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, Mike, what's your takeaway watching this game? Like, because. In the immediate aftermath of this game, the timeline had already dug their heels in. It was full-on World War I-style trenching where it was either this game tells us everything we need to know about football and it's the fact that you have to throw to win <laughs> to this game tells us everything we need to know about football and you have to be a balanced team for 60 minutes to win. People are declaring victory. So I ask you, Mr. Kist, did we learn anything about football from this game or was it just the team with the better quarterback is probably going to win? Pound the rock to win. Defense wins championships. The whole analytics. Cr- I don't know who won this one other no. than just like Mahomes is just a, a special quarterback and was able to get it done. In the, and, and it's weird because it wasn't even his best game. And that's, you know, that that's why they were down. And I thought Andy and Kyle just schematically coached up some really good game plans, especially in, in, in the first half there. I thought it was really fascinating that that specific battle. But I think it really does come down to what we've been kind of talking about with Mahomes throughout these playoffs. The Chiefs might not have the better team, but have the better quarterback. 
and yeah. a quarterback who said that he benefited from being in the Big 12 and having that mentality of, yeah, I might throw a pick, but I'm going to come back and I'm going to throw two touchdowns in a row. Like, you got to put up points when you're in the Big 12. That's just kind of what I'm used to. And he's right. And and he's able to put himself in that state and only score 10 points for three and a half quarters. And next thing you know, there's 21 points on the board, man. Yeah. It's just it's absolutely wild. And having that quarterback is the ultimate X factor. And there's nothing against Jimmy Garoppolo. I think the reaction to Jimmy G's game is a bit over criticized. And I talked with, about this with Ben a little bit. Like, is there a concern that he's an Alex Smith that's never going to be able to boat race and put up the big points and make the big comebacks? And you know what? Not many quarterbacks are that. That's not a bad thing. Alex Smith had right. a long, productive career. You might always be looking for something a little bit better, but that's not a bad spot to be in. He's a quarterback. He's a starter that you can win with. And right. the 49ers were in great position to win this game. Like, I don't think Jimmy G himself blew it. Now, I, I you know, obviously the throw that he missed to Emmanuel Sanders on, on the deep ball and whatnot, like that's going to keep him up at night and during the offseason. But overall, and, and, you know, we talked about the under pressure stats. The under pressure stats really haven't been a problem for Jimmy G this year or throughout his career or anything like that. Like, I don't know if maybe if it's just like a big moment type thing or I haven't really looked at the film when it comes to like, okay, why, why are those stats so bad? What else was going on with that? But I, I think he's being over criticized. Now, to, to that effect, I probably did that to Jared Goff last year too. So I think we're all a little bit guilty of it. Right. I mean, we all always overreact. And to the point about the numbers under pressure, if you count regular season, postseason this year, in terms of adjusted completion percentage, Garoppolo was eighth in the league. Right. Right. So, I mean, it, he had one bad game under pressure. It just happened to be the game. Right. And now everybody's going to sort of overreact to it. I think what's also been interesting in the aftermath has been the discussion about the play calling from Kyle Shanahan. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people saying in the second half and in the fourth quarter, he was throwing it too much. I don't necessarily agree with that. I know a lot of people point to the second and five, third and five, the back-to-back -back throws. I didn't mind those. I didn't mind those at all. And if you look at the one that – the second and five that Chris Jones had the deflection on, yeah, yeah. you got George Kittle one-on-one -on -one against Terrell Suggs. Right, yep. And you've got a, somebody open in the flat. Debo Samuel's open in the flat. Mm -hmm. If he throws and completes either one of those passes, you're talking first and 10, maybe at your own 40 mm. or maybe at your own 35, and the clock is running. Yep. And by this point, the clock is a massive factor in your favor. Chris Jones made a heck of a play. Look, sometimes that happens. Yeah. I mean, I don't I, – I know there's a lot of overblown criticism of Garoppolo and Shanahan right now. Did they make mistakes? Yeah. Like you said, is Garoppolo going to wake up in a sweaty mess like I do when I have my recurring nightmare of being a lawyer again right. about that throw to Sanders? Uh, of course he will. But it's not like he played a brutally poor game. He had two picks, one under pressure, which was bad, and one late in the game when you're throwing because you, there's nothing else you can do. You're down 11. Yeah. And so, but yeah, I, I'm not, I don't think people should be declaring victory one way or another. I know people will do that anyway because it's Twitter and that's what we do. <laughs> but I'm just going to go back to reading and playing video games and waiting for the draft to come. Man, I'm telling you, that's exactly what I'm doing. Because I told you, like, I don't know which side won. I'm sure no. everyone's pounding the table for their case. I know which side of the fence these guys are on multiple different issues, whether it be film guys or analytics guys, PFF guys, whatnot. I have no idea who won this. I think it's just yeah. an example of a, of a special quarterback and you know a really good offensive mind with some weapons getting the job done and the defense doing enough. That's that's yeah. that's about it, man. That's that's. I think that's <laughs> the conclusion you can draw from. With that in, I think everybody for the most part is genuinely happy for Andy Reid. Right. Yeah. You know, I I think people across the football world, 
you know, in the league, in media, whatever, you're genuinely happy for Andrew Reid because the guy has been through some struggles. Mm. And to see him, you know, that that Instagram video of him on the bus just popping up the Lombardi trophy and everybody <laughs> going nuts. Like, you know, that's it's good to see that. Yeah. And so we could be happy for him. We can be happy for the Kansas City Chiefs. And we can all just sort of move on and ignore the other controversies such as the halftime show or whatever else people want to yell about. <laughs> exactly. I mean, yeah. And, and Shanahan's going to have a, a long offseason too. I mean, I was telling this to Ben. 99.7% chance to win against the Patriots when he was with the Falcons. Yeah. 96.1% probability to win for the 49ers before the third and 15 to Tyreek Hill. That's heartbreaking. That's heartbreaking. It's, yeah. And I, I mean, I'm I'm always reminded. I was doing a show with Matt Waldman last week, and we he he asked the question, like, which Super Bowl bad beat would you most want to be a part of on the losing side? Like, for example, the Titans when they came a yard short or Shanahan, you know, with Atlanta. And I, I always remember Sam Weish, that Super Bowl 23, when Montana goes down the field at the end and he hits John Taylor with 39 seconds left. And there's that NFL, you know, video of the game that they put together, NFL Films does. And it, it captures Sam Weish on the sideline. He's just looking up the scoreboard. He's like, 39 seconds, man. Yeah. 39 <laughs> seconds. Like, I mean, could you imagine being at the pinnacle of your profession? Like, you know, the world's greatest podcaster or something, <laughs> and you're this close to achieving greatness and it's gone. Uh, like, that's got to be gut-wrenching. And for Shanahan now, twice and two legendary bad beats? Uh, like, that's like his entire offseason is going to be that meme photo of him in the locker room when they had that, what, 2-14 and 14 season where he's like sitting down with a football in the locker room in front of an equipment chest, yeah. just kind of miserable. He's going to be like that until July. Brother, I mean, the 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 narrative that like Andy Reid chokes in big games followed him around for two decades until yeah. – and it <laughs> – look, I mean, it almost – Into this game, people were saying, <laughs> yeah, he's going to blow it. it. It almost continued. It was it was still there and it, and, it, and it bugged him all throughout the playoffs. I mean, you go down 24 to nothing to, to the Houston Texans, even yeah. though they end up winning, you're like, why is this happening? And yeah. it's just kind of one of those any things you could never explain. But he gets that monkey off his back. We'll see how long it takes Kyle Shanahan to get that monkey off his back. Because those are some two biggies. Those are some yeah. two biggies, boy. All right. Listen. When we come back here on the QP Sco Show, maybe we'll talk about uh, the the Senior Bowl game, the performance, maybe some takeaways from, from two quarterbacks I want to hear your opinion on or where they might go. And we have some Eagles news as well that's coming up next here on the QB Sco Show. We are back here on the QB Sco Show, episode 51, I believe. We'll check it later. Yeah, I'll edit 51. it out if I need to. 51. Michael Kist, Mark Schofield, SB Nation, Bleeding Green Nation, bringing it all to you. A quick update here as we record. I just saw this tweet from Tom Pelissero. He says, quote, former Eagles offensive coordinator Mike Groh is joining the Colts as a wide receivers coach per source. Uh, Kevin Petulo, who previously coached receivers, is expected to stay on the staff with a new title. Groh reuniting with Frank Reich in Indy as Alex Marvez first reported, unquote. So Groh ends up back with Reich at the coaching position where he he should probably be like, I don't think anybody here in Philadelphia had a problem with what grow did with the wide receiver group when he was the wide receiver coach. So it's a good move for him. Reich was welcoming him with open arms and I'm sure he'll do better in that position that he did at offensive coordinator because he's never been fired by his dad as a wide receivers coach. So he's got that going for him now, which is nice. Yeah. There's, there's that. So uh, let's talk about these uh, senior bowl quarterbacks because we had done an update on the QB Sco show 50 after day two. And then they had the practices in the bubble as 
And then also the game as well, where Justin Herbert from Oregon came away as the MVP of the game. Also, some uh, some pretty good reports about Jordan Love coming out from that week, and he looking like he may have solidified himself as a possible top twenty pick. Mark, do you see like four quarterbacks, depending on the on the health of Tua? Let's just assume that Tua's medical is okay and teams are comfortable with him. It's not like a major red flag for them anymore, and he checks out fine. Do you see? After the Senior Bowl, the performances from Love and Herbert whatnot, could you see maybe four going in the top 15? Because that'd be great for the Eagles picking a 21, man. Pick all the quarterbacks. Yeah, I, I certainly do. And, you know, with respect to Justin Herbert, I think – and we probably should have expected this. But when the buzz coming out of Mobile is just, okay, it's not outlandish. It probably won't happen. But maybe the Bengals do consider Herbert for that first pick. Mm. And it's not just like random people. I mean, you've got the Matt Waldens of the world saying, look, I'd still pick Joe Burrow. But from a scheme fit perspective, from what Herbert was asked to do, and from the fact that Cincinnati got to see him hands-on for the entire week, it's not outlandish to think he'd at least be in consideration of that spot. Mm. They probably still go Burrow at one, but don't rule it out. That tells you the kind of week that Justin Herbert had, right? Yeah. And he had a very strong week. He showed that he can do some things in the middle of the field. He can show he can work through progression reads, do some full field stuff, which he wasn't asked to do a ton of at Oregon. And so there's obviously that potential, but even if you put that to his side and say he's not going at one, Chargers at six, that's a pretty good fit. Mm. You know, they're a team that has moved on from Phillip Rivers by all accounts, all narratives. Phillip Rivers has moved, we're hearing, permanently to Florida. Mm. And so, you know, Chargers could be in the mix. Carolina at seven. Yes, you know, Matt Rule has said all the right things about Cam Newton, said all the right things about Will Greer. Ryan Pace said all the right things about Mike Glennon. Yeah. Ryan Pace has said all the right <laughs> things about Mitchell Trubisky. So we know how things pan out there. I'd be stunned if Herbert gets out of the top 10 at this point. Oh, yeah. And then you get to Jordan Love, who many people thought, yeah, Jordan, Justin Herbert, he's nice. Jordan Love, there's more upside there. I look at that stretch, 12, 13, 14, Vegas, Indy, Tampa Bay. Mm. I'd be stunned if Love gets past those three teams. I got to think one of them will be interested in in Jordan Love. He had another strong week as well. And that upside, we see this every year. There's a quarterback prospect that has a big arm and has some athleticism. And every NFL coach, every NFL scout, every offensive coordinator thinks, I can coach that up. Gruden at 12, Jordan Love. I mean, if they're already talking about going after Tom Brady, it's clear that the John Gruden, Derek Carr marriage has ended. Mm. And so, yeah, I think we see four in the top 15, and I think we see five in the first round. Mm. I think by the time this draft comes around, somebody will have talked them into Jacob Eason. It might even be Bruce Arians because we know how much he loves arm talent. I think Jacob Eason delivers that. We might see five in the first round. We might see five in the top 15. And so if you're a team like Philly, like New England, that maybe doesn't need to go quarterback – you're going to have somebody pretty impressive fall into your lap in the 20s if that happens. Mm. And, and as we talk about the the Senior Bowl game, too, I mean, that, number one, that's great news because I, I really do think that four quarterbacks are going to yeah. go in the top 20 and then definitely possibly five total in the round, which would be awesome. What about our son, Anthony Gordon from Washington State? That throw he had on fourth and goal from the five-yard line thrown away from an altered platform. Like, this is everything that we're like – Guys, he might not be that good, but doggone is he fun. And he was oh, a lot of fun to watch. He's so much fun to watch. And, you know, Jim Nagy from the Senior Bowl tweeted that clip out on Tuesday morning from the end zone angle. So you could see him like 
not just drop the arm, drop the body. The body. And, <laughs> and we said this about him going into Senior Bowl week. He's not Mahomes, but he wants to be Mahomes. Yeah. <laughs> okay? And, and that's the generation of kids we're getting now that have, you know, when they go home at night, when they go home from classes and practice, what do they turn on? Or when they fire up Madden, who do they want to be? They want to be Mahomes. Yep. And, and so we're going to see kids like this. It will lead to no-look throws that are nowhere near the target. But it will lead to plays like that. Yeah, and think of, you think know, of the big three quarterbacks this year: Patrick Mahomes, Russell Wilson, Lamar Jackson. Yeah, buddy, those are fun quarterbacks. That's that, and it's hard we to replicate. Are, <laughs> we are moving into an era of quarterback play that is going to be so much fun to watch. Yeah. It's it's not what I grew up watching. Maybe you're younger than me, so maybe you, you know you saw this a little bit more. But you know, I grew up on the guys like you know, I grew up wanting to be Joe Montana. Mm. You know, Tom Brady's seven months younger than me. Like that's who we wanted to be. These guys in my sort of age bracket, we wanted to be Montana, which was you're smart with the football, you check it down, you don't make mistakes, <laughs> you don't take risks with the ball because if you do, you're gonna get benched. Right. This next crop risks, ah. Who cares about risks? Yeah. Like Mahomes said when he was interviewed after the Super Bowl, I, everybody kept telling me on the sidelines, just keep throwing, just keep firing, right. just keep taking your shots. Like that's the how the game is played now. And with the field tilted in the favor of the offense anyway, you're an idiot if you don't take these chances. And so, yeah, we're going to see this, this fun crop of players like – you know, if Gordon gets a shot, Minshew, mm. who's also certainly fun to watch. Yeah. I mean, this is going to be a fun time to watch quarterback play because they're just going to be doing silly stuff and you'll be laughing the entire time. You'll be giggling the entire time. It's going to be great to watch. And we're going to cover all of this, all the draft, uh, you know, quarterbacks coming out, uh, possibly the, the next crop of quarterbacks. Maybe we'll do a 2021 mock draft. How much fun does that sound? Just for quarterbacks. <laughs> Just for quarterbacks. Just to piss can, people off. Just to get people angry. We can certainly do that. I like that. Yeah. We're going to be taking listener questions for the next QB SCO show. So we want to know what you want to hear about, whether it be history, whether it be football, whether it be quarterback related, whether we're still trying to figure out what the heck's going on with the offensive coordinator spot with the Eagles. So we're going to be taking your questions sometime next week. We'll tweet that out from the at BGN underscore radio account. So make sure you're following that and get your questions in. And we'll answer them to the best of our ability, depending on uh, depending on the topic there. But uh, that's going to do it for the QB SCO show. Mark, any closing words before, uh, before we get out of here? Any any last message to the people before uh what god we're we're in seven months now before meaningful football again it's crazy it is crazy um this is like i said sort of that dull dark dreary period but at the same time you can send it listener questions about books history video games food whatever we need things to talk about let's be honest <laughs> and so help us out help us help you help you yes that's going to do it for the QB SCO show. Get those questions ready. Make sure you subscribe to BGN. Give us five stars, all that good stuff. We will catch you next week. BGN.